you're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Back to the Paracast, we welcome once again Rich Hoffman from SCU. Our special guest co-host is Kurt Collins, and they're all assembled. And what's interesting, of course, is to mention this. Anytime we have someone with really solid scientific credentials, almost every time, and we try to get them set up with Skype, there is always an audio problem. So Rich had some issues hearing us, which may be nothing that he lost out on. This way he can talk and nobody would disagree with him. (laughs) That works. Yes, it's the advantage of talking to yourself, except when you disagree with yourself. This is true. This is true. Good to be back. We're glad to have you. Last time you were on, I think it was 2020. And we are now in a different dimension in terms of where we were and where we are now. And I don't want to get into that except to deal with whatever concerns UFOs and such. But for those who are new to the Paracast and haven't heard the previous time you were on the show, can you tell us how you got interested in this subject? Yeah, it goes back to when I was age 13, 19, uh, actually in 1964. I was late for a science class, uh, and the teacher that had passed out an assignment where you had to do a 10-minute presentation on a topic that was on a list. Because I was late to class, everybody else had already picked something, and the only thing that was left was UFOs. I had no concept of what I put my name next to, but I went up to the teacher afterward. And I said, what's a UFO? And he said, unidentified flying object. Well, what's that? He said, well, have you ever heard of flying saucers? I said, well, yeah, I've seen science fiction movies and stuff like that. But he said, well, you need to check into it. So my really half-hearted attempt to do anything about it was I probably went and found like a book like My Trip to Venus or My Saturnian Lover or something like that. And wrote about that. I talked about it. And I didn't just do a very good job with it. Consequently... What happened was when I bombed that uh, presentation, uh, my teacher started laying down some serious questions like, well, what about jet pursuits? What about the, uh, the Project Blue Book? What about this and that? And I said, what are you talking about? I had no idea. And, of course, that's what led to the proverbial D on the report. It was like that evening or within the next day or so that suddenly that on the news, Walter Cronkite came on and was talking about the Socorro, New Mexico case. Lonnie Zamora uh, in Socorro was a police officer who had pursuit of a speeding vehicle. He hears an explosion, goes and leaves it and goes over and then sees some sort of an object with like two diminutive types of beings. There were allegedly footprints uh, and some other kind of like ground effects that were there. Anyway, that was a pretty impressive, like, you know, kind of a report for me, you know, at age 13. And then the next thing was that a a couple days later, my aunt took me to a bookstore and I legitimately went up and asked, do you have a book on UFOs? And, and they pointed out the report on unidentified flying objects by former Project Blue Book lead uh, Captain Ruppelt. So I read that book and I'm starting to see like what my teacher must have read because he was you know, it talks about all these things that he was talking about. Anyway, make a long story short that I then in reading the book, I found out that I'm living just down the street, practically in Dayton, Ohio, from Wright-Patterson, which was where Project Blue Book was. And I think that that's what really got me hooked. I thought, you know, my God, there's a project that's right up the road in this stuff. This must be real. 
I need to go look into it. I began collecting every kind of like newspaper clipping I could get my hand on. I would be watching, getting every book I could get my hand on, every magazine article I could collect. Uh, and, and I just started collecting and going with it from there. And I was so engrossed at age 13 that the next thing I know, I was like, by the time I was like age 15, I had already been going around the city of Dayton giving lectures on the topic. That's how much I had read uh, on the topic and was interested now. And then just up the street, there was a local station, a TV station. I was on a couple radio shows and things like that, but I was invited on. I guess Phil Donahue was in town, and this is before he went off to become really world you know, famous up in Chicago, but this was in Dayton where he got his start. And so I ended up going to that, and I, now I was on with Phil Donahue talking about it. Well, it suddenly led into my name getting out, and people around the city of Dayton wanted to call me, and I became kind of like the UFO guy. And then I was always on you know, radio shows, TV shows, you name it. Anybody wanted to be able to talk about the subject, and, and it just kept getting and escalating more and more to the point where uh, everybody was calling me about anything that went bump in the night. You know, I, I thought, well, I can't deal with Bigfoot. I can't deal with ghosts. I can't deal with everything. I've got to focus on UFOs. So bottom line is that's what I did as I got hooked into the UFO phenomenon. I said, that's all I'm going to deal with. And it goes on from there. You know, I mean, that just uh, led into me getting in 1969. I hooked up with Mutual U. It was called the Midwest UFO Network at the time. And then I was the state sector section director for them. I ended up going on from there to leading one of their largest conferences in Dayton in 1978. And then, you know, it goes on from there, Gene. I've, I've just been with this for now 58 years. Just to go back a little bit in time, yeah. you concentrate on UFOs. Uh, yeah. Some people will say UFOs and Bigfoot, for example, have similar yeah. explanations, but you've never gone in that direction. Well, when you say, well, I mean, obviously, when you say that they're similar situation, I would guess, obviously, the fact that, you know, you see something and then it kind of like disappears on you, I guess that that would be the same if you saw Bigfoot and then it disappeared. Occasionally, there's some sort of like physical evidence that maybe like a footprint. I measured a footprint that was like, you know, uh, on one case that I looked at, it was about, you know, 13 maybe 13 to 14 inches long, uh, you know, and I thought, well, maybe that's a big person. But it was interesting that the, the, the footprint stopped, you know, it, it kind of like went to a certain distance and stopped. And I thought, well, that's rather odd. But I don't see at all a similarity in terms of UFOs with a Bigfoot sighting in the sense that, you know, we actually have uh, sensors and, and measures and you know, a lot more evidence, I guess, that supports maybe the fact that there's something there in the sky, uh, as opposed to, you know, the images that you might get on a camera uh, or something of that nature from Bigfoot. Um, we have now military, uh, you know, like the Navy or the Air Force or something like that is actually tracking with multi-sensors. So it's, you don't get that with Bigfoot. Rich, this is Kurt. So yeah, I wanted Kurt. to I wanted to ask you a little bit about um, about your current profession. Now, when when people hear that you are a defense contractor, mm -hmm. they're going to say, "Well, tell us about 
your work on reverse engineering UFOs. So, <laughs> yeah. if that's not if that's not what you're doing, you know, what what um, what insight do you have as far as the government's working, and do you have access to any information? So let me let me let me tell you the little story about that. You know, obviously, when I was living at Dayton, you know, Project Blue Book and all that foreign technology division and everything that I studied back then was under the Air Air Force Material Command, right? So I mean, I never got engaged with. I mean, I, I actually did. I got engaged with uh, some of the Blue Book people because I'd be looking at you know and doing it the same case that they were. Uh, and then I made connections with people at the base. But again, they were under the Air Force Material Command. Uh, when I was living in the D.C. area, and of course I needed to be able to keep a, you know, a career of some sort, I had I'd already been in the IT world. And uh, on this one corporation that I was working with, uh, they had a contract for Air, I mean, the Army Material Command. And that was the headquarters. It's a four-star command. And I thought, well, I could go in, and they wanted me to basically teach them. This shows you my age. This is me teaching them Windows, <laughs> the very first part of the very first iteration of Windows. And, and we don't want to talk about the very first iteration of Windows because I can give you all sorts of stories. Because I yeah. always regarded Windows as barely usable until Windows ninety five. But why are we talking about this? We're looking at the background of Rich Hoffman, our special guest this week. I'm Gene Steinberg. Our guest co-host is the one and only Kurt Collins. You're in the Paracast. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, the Paracast Plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out the Paracast Plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. No matter if supply lines are down, product deliveries are slow, and that most everything costs more these days, you still have neck and shoulder pain, right? Good news. Sunny Bay has new products that target neck and shoulder pain. Products that are in stock now, ready to ship anywhere now. Like our extra long neck heating pads. They provide soothing relief to painful sore necks and backs. You can heat them in a microwave oven and they come in a variety of colors and patterns. And for stress relief, get our lavender scented hands-free neck wraps. Or maybe you need one of our smaller lower back wraps. Great for seniors. Again, there's no shipping delays from Sunny Bay. Find our new products on Amazon, Walmart, Etsy, and sunny-bay.com. Just search for Sunny Bay Neck Wraps. All our products are great for men or women, are reusable, and easy to clean. Remember, just search for Sunny Bay Neck Wraps. Order now because stock is high and shipping is fast from Sunny Bay. I'm a 
I'm about to give you a life-changing URL that if you will simply visit it and give these tax consultants a call, it will change your life. Whether you're a blue-collar worker or whether you're a school teacher or whether you're a scientist or whether you're a millionaire, almost no one out there is taking advantage of legal, lawful tax loopholes. Go to GCNTaxCut.com. That takes you right to American Tax Solutions, and they will give you an amazing preview of what they can do for you. GCNTaxCut.com. GCNTaxCut.com. Every day we take steps to keep the people we love safe. But some health risks are easy to miss. Ticks hiding in the yard can spread germs that can cause Lyme disease and Rocky Mountain spotted fever. Mice searching for sources of food can spread bacteria and disease. Mosquitoes breed in standing water and can transmit illnesses like West Nile virus and Zika virus. Cockroaches are drawn to water in the home and can leave behind allergens that trigger asthma attacks. Stinging insects attack in defense of their nests and send more than half a million people to the emergency room every year. Household pests are a threat to our health. Learn what you can do to protect your family at pestworld.org. Are you curious about what might be missing from your diet and supplement choices? Take a free health assessment to identify your possible nutrient deficiencies. As a certified holistic health coach, I will help you assess and prioritize a supplement program based on Dr. Wallach's recommendations. Call Linda at 833-VITAL-90. That number to call is 833-848-2590. That's 833-VITAL-90. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. We pick up with Rich Hoffman telling people about the first iteration of Windows. This has got to be around 1990 or thereabouts. And there's, of course, we know the big story there where Apple licensed certain technology to Bill Gates and he used that and turned it around and used that as part of what he built into Windows. You with me so far, Rich? Yeah. And so for me, this was in 1995. By the way, the the Army and everything else in the DOD was very much behind the power curve in terms of getting into that tech kind of technology and, and making those advances. So in 1995, I was actually teaching the Windows 3.1.1, and then we ended up going to Windows 95. But now it placed me in this Army material command, you know, and then I, and over a period of years, I've always been in their IT world. Uh, I did everything from, uh, and, and I'll, the bottom line is like Y2K, you know, you needed to check everything to make sure that the clocks are going to roll over. I was involved in that heavily. I was involved in in putting together a thing called knowledge management, which is basically saying that, hey, look, you know, gee, if we had had the book or the records for the building of the pyramids, wouldn't it be nice to be able to have that because we lost that knowledge? Well, in the IT world, we are notorious for somebody who has been sitting in the same seat with their computer for 40 years or something of that nature, and they 
many of them have poured their brains out all over that computer. And then the IT process is we come in and we actually wipe out the entire hard drive and give it to the new person sitting in his seat. And now that person's lost all the knowledge from the previous person in the seat. So bottom line is I've done that kind of thing. I've, I'm also in charge of data center consolidation. That's one effort that I do. I'm also the spectrum manager right now for AMC, helping them out with the spectrum and, uh, and knowing that they don't have like signals tromping on each other. I'm not in the weapons world at all, so I'm not out there reverse engineering any kind of like craft. Uh, I do have access to classified systems. I've got basically an unclassified and a classified system on my desktop at work. Uh, I can go into both, and I do uh, routinely. But, you know, I mean, it, it's been interesting for me that, you know, it's been about, what, 20, 27 years now, I guess, or something like that. You know, when you mention Windows 95, just very briefly, anecdote. So Microsoft licenses the rights to the Rolling Stones song, Start Me Up. And I think because the lyrics at the beginning are, if you start me up, if you start me up, I'll never stop. You forget, however, the third verse of the song, Windows 95, right? You make a grown man cry. <laughs> said, said three times, you make a grown man cry. And I thought about Windows 95. I don't think of if you start me up, I'll never stop. I think of you make a grown man cry. And I can't believe that they didn't read the lyrics of that song before they bought their rights to it, which had to cost them millions of dollars. Yeah. So to Kirk, uh, I would say that, you know, I'm kind of like an embedded ufologist. <laughs> in fact, jokingly, they call me the command ufologist, uh, you know, because they just know that I'm in it. And everybody on Redstone Arsenal pretty much, you know, knows me to be the Redstone UFO guy. And I've been at this for a long time. I'm pretty open about things like that. I don't certainly talk about classified stuff. I honor my job and, and the people that work there. Um, I think we're doing all, all good stuff. And, you know, I, I pretty much am okay with all that. And I'm not a conspiratorialist. I tend to be more towards a science bent. And, and that's where pretty much I am. So yeah. one of the things with the, the UAP task force or whatever they're calling it this week, uh, they say is the purpose is to reduce the stigma that surrounds the topic. So, mm -hmm. you know, apparently the people that you've worked with have long been aware. Well, how do they perceive your interest then and now? Um, well, I think it's really a dramatic shift for me to be where I'm at, uh, especially over the period of time that I've been there. I think, you know, when I first you know, I, I've pretty much I've always been open about the fact that I've been in the UFO thing, but I rarely got people that would, you know, want to engage me in the topic or, you know, in that type of thing in the hallways. You know, but now with the dramatic shift that I've seen, of course, in my lifetime of watching even with Blue Book uh, and then how that when that closed, you know, in 1969, it seemed like, you know, sci the whole notion of science was basically just shut down and you weren't allowed to talk about it. And then it went into the context of, you know, the 70s and stuff like that, where you had, you know, the weekly tabloids that were showing like, you know, Hillary Clinton or somebody holding an alien baby and it became a joke. And uh, you mean and she didn't? Wait a minute. You mean she didn't hold an alien she, baby? Well, no, she didn't. See, that's where, Gene, I'm trying to help you out because that was all just, you know, just bogus stuff. 
But you know what's so, funny is that Hillary Clinton is interested in UFOs or UAPs. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, and so you've had, you know, more of an interest here in, uh, since probably about the Clinton's time period, at least anyway, onward uh, in to some degree in, in the UFO phenomena. And But, uh, you know, it's even more so and pronounced now with the concept of the 2017 announcement that the Pentagon had, a you know, a secret program. Uh, and had these videos that they, they got released and stuff like that. Uh, and then were able to make it a little bit more serious that there really was something going on because when we, when we basically had blue book closing and the national security, I mean, the, uh, what is it? The Academy of Sciences basically said, you know, it's not worth studying anymore. Don't, don't submit papers, you know, shut up. You know, basically there's nothing to it. And we agree with the study that came out of Condon. Then you ultimately had, you know, the doors closed. And so scientists went into the, in the background. You had the ballet book, you know, the Invisible College. You had all the work that Heineck was trying to do to build it and get it scientifically handled was put into, you know, the closet, so to speak. And so now, I mean, now what you happen and what I'm seeing now is there's open dialogue uh, that's going on. We had literally at the conference we just got finished having, we ended up having people from the Space Command that were in key position, leadership positions. Uh, and we had a whole host of other, you know, people from the base that were attending and other, you know, parts of the, the military as well as the government that showed up. And so I am, I'm thrilled, you know, I'm trying to carry on where Heineck couldn't go <laughs> Get, and, and Valet to make this the visible college, by the way. Yeah, this sounds, I don't know that this is unprecedented, but it's, it's remarkable that this is, this is in the open. So this is your third conference. This first was live, the second virtual, yeah. and this is what may be a hybrid. Yeah. But so back to business. So that's great. Well, so tell um, I understand that there were some former people. The person I wanted to ask you about was Jay Stratton. Can you uh -huh. tell us anything about him and anything he might have told you about what he did while he was working for the, uh, apparently he worked for ATIP. Before we do that, let's do our break. We have Rich Hoffman with the Scientific Coalition for UAP Studies. And Kurt Collins, our guest co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report. 
crisis cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. USA Radio News with Kenneth Burns. Firefighters in Philadelphia mourning the loss of one of their own. Deputy Fire Commissioner Craig Murphy says the fallen firefighter is 51-year-old Sylvester Williamson, a 27-year veteran of the department. This was just a, 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 a catastrophic accident that, um, that, 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 really, uh, that really hurt our department. And I, I, know, I, I know this member well and um, hurt the fire service as a whole. The blaze broke out early Saturday morning at a three-story building that housed a pizza shop and apartments. The building collapsed shortly after the fire was put out. Four firefighters in total and an inspector with the city's Department of Licenses and Inspections were trapped at the time of the collapse. One firefighter remains hospitalized. Williamson was pronounced dead at the scene. He leaves behind a mother and his son. This is USA Radio News. The Supreme Court in Iowa ruled Friday that abortion is not a guaranteed right under that state's constitution, reversing a ruling the court made just four years ago. The decision stemmed from a lawsuit filed by abortion providers who challenged a 2020 law requiring a 24-hour waiting period before a woman could get an abortion. The court ruling comes as there is speculation that the U.S. Supreme Court will overturn the Roe v. Wade decision as soon as this coming week. The youngest among us could get their COVID-19 vaccines as soon as next week. The CDC gave their approval for the Moderna and Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine for children as young as six months old. That makes at least 18 million children eligible for the inoculations. The CDC approval on Saturday followed the sign-off from the FDA that occurred on Friday. Wall Street ended Friday with its worst week since the COVID crash in 2020. You're listening to USA Radio News. Did you know that you could easily be saving up to 90% on your taxes by simply making a phone call? That's right. The Fortune 500, the globalists, all the big billionaires and millionaires, they know about the loopholes written into the law where most of them pay almost zero tax. In fact, many of them pay no tax. You even see it on the news. How are they able to do that? But the common person can. So whether you're a school teacher, a lawyer, a scientist, a millionaire, a billionaire, or whether you're just a regular blue-collar worker, everybody should learn about the legal, lawful loopholes. And we've got an organization and a group that I am so proud to be working with, American Tax Solutions. GCN has a special deal with them to get you the best rates. And here's the most important part. They save you money and then get part of the savings. This is an absolute win-win solution. You've got to give them a call at 855-907-4841 or GCN Tax Cut. That's GCNTaxCut.com. The only way you miss out is not making the phone call. Make it now. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. Okay, so Kurt asked you a question, Rich. Why don't you answer that first? Yeah, so obviously Jay was one of the people that attended the conference. You also had people like Travis Taylor and you had Gary Nolan and a whole host of other people that were there. But, I mean, Jay was there. It was my opportunity to meet him. Uh, I was very pleased to meet him, and we had a very cordial conversation, and we still are engaging each other. Uh, Jay, uh, you know, it was very instrumental in trying to get ATIP uh, and, and those programs built. 
uh, he shared with me that he had a lot of like pushback and stuff like that from uh, a lot of different players about what doing what he was trying to do. Uh, and he's now working over a company called Radiance and stuff like that. And again, he's here trying to be able to help uh, get, you know, get this whole thing scientifically moving in the right direction. Uh, so he's very much engaged. Uh, I look forward to working with him in the future. Uh, he is local to me, so I'll be able to probably get together with him a little bit more of often. Uh, we've got people like Eric Davis. Uh, we've got people like, uh, you know, of course, a, a whole host of other people that are now here. And I don't know if you know it, but, you know, uh, you even have Sean Kirkpatrick, who was announced to, as being the lead for the uh I guess it's the AOI MSG organization, and God, I hope that they change that name. But anyway, he's here. I came. He came out of Missick, which is over here at Redstone. Uh, and then we have the whole, you know, movement of the Space Command to Huntsville. And of course, it's being fought by the people up in Colorado. But anyway, uh, we're we're still anticipating that that's going to happen. Uh, and so. Huntsville itself is becoming one of the, the hot spots where I guess you might was you might say UFO kinds of uh, investigations. So we're excited about it. Tell us about the Scientific Coalition for UAP Studies, the SCU. How did that get organized? Well, actually, that, that happened when we were still a part. Of, we were uh, there were five of us that were a part of that back in 2013. Uh, we were with MUFON. We were all like MUFON people. And there was a case that, that basically, our video that was, we were told that existed from a friend of Morgan Bell in Florida. He was a state director there. I was a state director up here for Alabama and I believe Mississippi at the same time. Anyway, the, the gist of it was that, that this video was this Aguadilla case that we got was passed to us uh, this video and the we get we pulled together a team we also had to sign in order to get the video we had to sign uh, non-disclosure agreements which then pro, you know basically kept us from even talking about it with MUFON the fact that we got this video and yet all of us are MUFON so it was kind of an awkward situation but uh, the person wanted it to be like looked at more like scientifically they had already made attempts to be able to take it up through their chain and Department of Homeland Security, as well as they also made an attempt to try to get it up to the Air Force. And no, there was no interest in it. And so they're, again, trying to see if they could get it analyzed and figure out what the heck it was. Well, the, the five of us got together, you know, and then over a period of time, we all handled different tasks. Some took certain sections of the document, but we all attempted to try to you know, take and analyze this seriously and see if it really meant anything or not. Um, and, you know, we, we literally broke it apart into, uh, I think, 7,027 frames. Uh, we tried to go pixel by pixel. We had to rule out things like parallax, and we had to rule out, you know, a whole bunch of other things uh, when we tried to look at the video. Uh, we tried to get a temperature read, and we... Uh, by the when, when you look at the it was a West Cam we identified that the camera was a West Cam camera, uh, and we got a hold of people that we could help us understand the uh, the temperature of that. We were able to break the the black to white, if you would. It was black hot for the the camera setting of the thermal camera, 
Uh, and then we were able to look at it in the context of maybe potential temperatures by the color of whether it was certain, whether it was a certain kind of like, you know, gray or dark color. Uh, and so we started analyzing it. And then at one point we, you know, you could, you, as you're watching the video, you see the object coming apparently from the water. There was a light on it uh, and it was c coming in from the water. And the concern was that the object was directly up where they took off, you know, and they thought that they were cleared for takeoff and they were going to head over toward where this object was. And the control tower apparently didn't understand or know what the heck was going on either. And they saw this light uh, coming in from whatever this was. And so they basically had them coordinate going around. So they went around, made a huge loop, came back around. And by the time that they almost did a complete circle, the light went out. And now they were in the dark because it was nine o'clock in the evening. And uh, so they basically notified them to turn on the thermal camera that they had on board and began recording a three minute and 54 second video. And in the course of the video, you see an object which appears as though it's moving, uh, moving around an airport runway. Uh, there was a FedEx plane that was being held up that was sitting over on the runway because apparently whatever this thing was, I guess, I don't know, uh, they told them to hold off. Uh, and the object then came looping around. And it, at one point it goes behind a, a telephone pole. You wouldn't know that if you didn't do the pixel analysis that we did. Uh, and then you, if you see that it's going through it, you can start to see, well, the, the distance that it would be at that point would be that it's about three foot in diameter, three to five foot in diameter. And then at one point, it looks like it goes into the water. It goes and you can see like a, something like looks like it's going underneath the water. And then you see it kind of come out and get really, really dark. And then it splits into two objects. And so when you see that video, we, we all became like, well, that's probably the most compelling whatever you'd ever seen, you know, the video. Uh, and we don't know what it is. You know, certainly we, you know, tried to figure out, well, is it a bird? Is it a plane? Is it Superman? <laughs> you know, and we, we looked at actually examples of that in thermal. You know, we had the same West Cam camera. We had an individual that could actually show what birds look like, what balloons look like, and it was not a match for it. And so we were left with, you know, like, well, what could it be? You know, we checked into a, a Navy Flimmer that was existed where it could have gone into the water, but it normally doesn't come out of the water. Uh, it might have been in the air at one point, and then it goes into the water. It's like a torpedo. So we struggled with being able to identify anything at all like that. We also had like, you know, uh, radar just prior to it in this in the direction of where the object was that we had like 50 hits of the radar just prior to that. And so we're like, okay, well, is it the same object? We don't know. Could it be? Yes, it could be. Uh, and we kind of put that together in our report and came out with that. And then we caught, you know, when we published it. And oh, by the way, we also sent it over to Japan to Sigma two to have them see if they would do a uh, kind of like a peer review and we also went to another uh, number of organizations in the united states to see if they would do it well nobody was willing to do it uh but anyway bottom line is japan came back and said that well we we do agree with your flight path we agree with the analysis that we did uh and so that was kind of like a peer review in some regard and so then we published our paper uh, and then, you know, then MUFON got upset with us, called us on the table, and we explained the whole situation. And 
that's the story. And so we've now decided that we were going to break away from MUFON and form a scientific organization in 2017 after MUFON started wanting to hold conferences uh, on secret spaceship programs. I want to ask you first about MUFON. Why were they so bent out of shape about your work? Well, I mean, first off, you know, you got, you got five people in MUFON that are not telling them the story, right? <laughs> it was it was passed to five MUFON members, right? So that would be a little bit upsetting. Like, why didn't you know they they get it, or why didn't we do it through them? And so they weren't aware of the fact that we had signed NDAs. We explained it to them, and uh, you know, and for the most part, that they were okay about it. Uh, obviously, the international director, who is the current national director, was a little bit irritated because it happened in Puerto Rico. Let's go on with more stuff here with Rich and Gene and Kurt. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream, a dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right. We cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. 
Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. Stop aging now. Restore those joints. Boost your strength. Because it's official. Nutramedical has released the most exciting, powerful anti-aging supplement on the market. Dr. Bill Deagle's Red Deer Velvet DR has been approved by the U.S. Patent Office. Imagine stem cell rejuvenation all in one capsule without huge expense. Dr. Bill MD discovered that as an unborn baby grows in the mother's womb, he or she does not deteriorate or physically age. Red Deer Velvet DR, like the uterus, provides 300 biomolecules and six hormones protected in one special DR. DR capsule that delivers lipid packages directly into your circulation. This patented technology bypasses the stomach and is released into the small bowel unaltered by digestive enzymes and stomach acid. Remember, Red Deer Velvet DR. Improve endurance, simulate your immune system, increase learning ability, and even improve sexual libido with Red Deer Velvet DR. Click NutriMedical.com. That's N-U-T-R-I Medical.com. Or call toll-free 888-212-8871 and get on the road to a newer, rejuvenated, happier you. This is Jacques Vallée, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Forgive me if I'm asking Rich Hoffman, talking about MUFON, why would Puerto Rico be a problem? First off, you know, none of us had jurisdiction. and The way MUFON works, it's like, you know, based on a state so, like, you know, you, if you're the Alabama, you can't go into Tennessee. If you're uh, Mississippi, you can't go into Louisiana. So it's kind of a crazy notion. But anyway, we're not supposed to handle, you know, on the national side, international cases. Well, just to let you know, what I did is I actually went and looked in their CMS database. And I found out where somebody had reported, and it could have been one of the other pilot or not the, the, the flight crew or somebody, actually reported it to MUFON but they never assigned it to anybody. So that was an embarrassing moment for them, but they didn't assign that same case to anybody to investigate after we had already spent two years on it. Again, a little bit of an embarrassment at the same time, you know, the fact that we were all MUFON members, that we were publishing a, a paper that was in, it, it's completely within an understanding of why they would have been upset, but we were able to somewhat calm them down. Although, I will say this much, there are people that are in leadership positions that have a lot of anger at SEU because we went ahead and formed our own organization. And we forget here, or a lot of us do, that the Mutual UFO Network, then Midwest UFO Network, was formed by people who were with APRO and split from them. So in a sense, you split from MUFON, they split from APRO. Do we see a difference? Well, let me also clarify that I'm a lifetime member of MUFON, so I'm a benefactor. So I'm not exactly out of MUFON. In fact, I keep giving UFO lectures and things like that to some of their local chapters. I will also point out to you that none of us have an issue with MUFON. The MUFON has an issue with us, apparently, and and some members. I'm not going to characterize all of them, okay, but I'm, I'm just saying that there are a few of them that are very angry yet with us and me, you know, and, and yet I've been, you know, with them for a long, long time. 
and I do support what they're doing. I think that it's valuable. And what we're doing is holistically different and could augment them, but they don't want to choose to do that. Expand on those differences, though. I mean, you're not a UFO fan club. So what is SCU? You told us how it started, but what is uh, what are the goals and, and you know, what what's the mission going forwards? Let me put it to you this way. MUFON will take a case. They'll assign an investigator. The investigator typically has like 90 days to be able to come up with some sort of a report and, and make a, a, a declaration of what the object is that they that they investigated. OK. And then it sits in a database. Nobody's at that. I mean, um, it was happening with when we were in it. We had a actually a, a group of scientists that would look at cases on a monthly basis. I would investigate or look at the, the top cases I could find each month that was as they were reported. And we would then take that to a group of scientists who would basically look at the case and see if we could get greater detail on it. And so there you're now you're starting to do something with it scientifically with the data you collected, right? And that's kind of like where we were with it. What's happened now is that most of the scientists, at least I, I'm not saying now, I mean, at the time in 2017, when they did the secret spaceship program, they were all walking out the door because they didn't want their credibility damaged by this stupidity. And I didn't either. Uh, and so I made a decision that I was going to retire from all my positions. That was also a number of other members in SEU decided to do the same. And what we decided to do at that point was we wanted to be able to get large, more like scientific treatment of this, you know, uh, the cases that we can get. We wanted to be able to kind of do similar to what we did with the Aguadilla case in the context of being able to spend a long time looking at, you know, video evidence, looking at that evidence, collecting more evidence if you can get it. Uh, and we did that again with the Nimitz case. And we started to break into the Nimitz case and do the same thing. And what it is is we're trying to put in a peer review process, which is not existing in the United States and MUFON doesn't have or anybody to have, where you now you write a report and you can actually have it go through a, a, a legitimate peer review process. And then you can have it go into some sort of a respectable journal. We're trying to get that whole process put in place to be able to you know, have articles that we can then put in our own journal. Uh, we are writing papers right now and putting them into journals, uh, but it's not our own journal. So the idea is you have all these people that will now take and, and, and they, they're from every discipline. I mean, we got a lot of PhDs. We have you know a, a good part of our population have got advanced degrees. They're in every kind of like discipline out there, everything from psychology to sociology to anthropology to computer sciences to you name it. We've got it. OK. And so with that being the case, if you create a safe space for scientists now to engage and talk about the topic, then they'll be more willing to open up about it. And that's how we've now gone up to about 200 people that are all members of SEU. And it's about the fact that, you know, the thing that 2017 opened the doors, they can feel comfortable about it. They're looking to have other engaging conversations with other scientists. And where can I find them? And guess what? They can come to us and have that kind of conversation. That's the one thing that bothers me about MUFON. They're busy selling memberships, busy selling conferences, busy selling this program that should become an investigator. But there's no sustained investigation of much of anything. Precisely. It's actually kind of no different with the Air Force project. Blue Book would collect all this information, but do you have 
do you have scientists that are looking at the data? Well, you could argue and say, well, yeah, they did. I mean, through Battelle. Battelle was like working on some of these things. They produced a special report 14, you know, and a whole host of other things where they were trying to do some sort of a, a data analysis, if you would. But our capabilities today are not the same as they were back in that time. We've got computer capabilities now that far ex are in excess of that. We've got starting to use things like artificial intelligence and, and a whole host of other types of tools that would allow us to be able to get in. Our, our analytical tools have improved to the point where we can get better. We can get uh, 3D imaging. We can do all different kinds of other kinds of uh, modeling and simulation types of things. So we've made a quantum level advancement. And now what we're doing is trying to pull all those resources together to be able to do way more advanced study of actual hard to, to address data and evidence. And we'd like to be able to get that. And we're cooperating with UAPX. Uh, they're a partner of ours. Uh, so is Center for UFO Studies and a whole host of other things. And we're partnering with them to be able to now go out and collect information. And then we'll help do some of the analysis of that. And that's exactly what we're doing with UAPX right now. What is UAPX for those who don't know? Uh, UAPX is UAP, UAP Expeditions. Uh, there's a recent film that was released called A Tear in the Sky. It's put together by people who, a lot of them were on aboard the Nimitz. You, you have uh, Gary Voorhees. Uh, you've also had Kevin Day that helped found it and put it together. And you're basically trying to take advanced technology out to hotspots and collect everything from FLIR data to you know acoustic data to spectral data and all that stuff that you can now bring scientists and scientists could actually study and now get more information on. A tear in the sky, by the way, we did feature that on a previous episode. And Gary Voorhees has been on the show a couple of times. So we had David yeah. Altman and Dave Mason on the show yeah. with that. So we, we did cover it, but I wanted you to define yeah. it for our listeners who don't follow all the nuts sure. and bolts and things like that. <laughs> And I'm also a member of them. I'm a, I'm a member of UAPX as well. And so, I mean, we're having now conversations where we're trying to be able to, like, work together as a team to be able to collect data that now we can give to scientists and have them look at. Well, your, um, your name has coalition in it, and it sounds like you're yeah. really striving to do that. So that's, that's great. And you said you've got... Uh, Maybe not a, a formal working relationship, but, you know, you've met and and have become friends with some of the government people. So that's that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, so um, as far as as far as the government, though, what's your opinion of what we can expect from their investigation and what can be shared with the public? That's, that's an excellent question uh, and one that I'm most concerned about as well. Uh, you know, you know as well as I do, when you put things in the military world, you're dealing with, you know, classification systems, you're talking about national security implications, you're talking a whole host of things. And this is a national security concern, whether you, you know, anybody wants to admit it or not, because guess what? The vast majority of these things are types of drones that we don't know whose they are. And drones are flying over our military ranges. They're flying over our ships, and they're 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 capable of. I mean, they're clearly drones. You can actually see that they're like a quadcopter, and they're not. They're using like you know some sort of like a, maybe a gas fuel system or something of that nature that allows them to zip along. 
We have Rich, we have Kurt, we have Gene, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hey listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Do you fear getting COVID? I've had COVID four times over two years now, and it is very easy to eliminate from my body. We've all heard the several nutritional and medical recommendations on how to protect from COVID. However, no one is talking about the one I've found to be the most effective. I've had two clients debilitated with COVID symptoms for days or months take our Green Metal Whey protein powder and feel either 100% well or much better in the first 24 hours. That's a faster recovery than offered by any medication or other nutritional supplement. Green Metal Whey is naturally rich in the protein called lactoferrin. Non-denatured lactoferrin is a protein that binds to viruses and cell receptor sites so they cannot enter the cell, as well as defends the body against bacteria, fungi, parasites, and supports abdominal fat loss. I have found that nature always has a superior answer to any health challenge. Let Green Metal Way empower your body and immunity to the highest levels of health. To order, go to bestwayprotein.net. That's B-E-S-T-W-H-E-Y protein.net or call 888-988-3325. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Looking at the materials that you're exploring here, looking at possible drones. So wouldn't that possibly hint that maybe that's something from another country, maybe? Well, it is. I mean, we have drone technologies that are going on across the globe and a lot of advances in drone technologies by our adversaries. They're spending a lot of money on it, you know. And so consequently, we've got to be able to figure out how we're going to deal when we let's say you've got 180 uh, drones coming at you and how you knock them out of the sky or what are you going to do? Drone swarms. You have technologies in terms of drones that, that have a lot of uh, sensors and capabilities on them to be able to listen to your conversation, hang over your house and see you thermally, you know, through your house. So that's a threat. I, I'm working in the DOD. In fact, one of the projects I've got on the spectrum side is to work. We're actually installing across the DOD drone killing devices and drone detecting systems. So now we're, we're going at it full force uh, and putting those out there because guess what? You have to discriminate whether it is a drone or whether you'd like to think of it as a, maybe like a tic-tac or, or some sort of an unknown object, right? And how do you know 
you know, the difference between those two things and where they differ. And so you have to still be able to protect all of your assets, your people, your your base, your intellect and everything else. At the same time, you need to be able to discriminate. Is this really a drone or an adversary? Well, where is it from? Whose is it? What are they trying to get from us? Uh, at the same time, you want to you want to also be able to figure out, well, maybe if it's not a drone, maybe it is a Tic Tac or you know, some sort of an object that you can't explain like that. So you'll hear the DOD talk about it from the context of drones and a lot of the adversaries because they really don't know. And there are, these things get misreported as being, you know, like you know, UFOs, right? So until you really know, you don't you can't do anything with it. But, you know, that's what we have to be able to do to protect our country and, and our resources and our technology and our intelligence. Well, a drone, therefore, would be an IFO, not a UFO, because it is identified it is a drone. We just have to figure out which country might be sending them over. And then we understand that's one particular issue of great importance. But can't they shoot one of these things down and look at the technology and figure it out? First off, you don't want to shoot it down because, you know, ultimately, you know, you, you, you could be blowing up what you want to be able to look at. <laughs> you know, I mean, the idea is drone killing systems. You know, you're, you're basically taking over and you're using, you know, some sort of a, either, you know, like a microwave kind of thing where you're looking at possibly taking it over from an electromagnetic standpoint. You could also GPS spoof it and make it, you know, if you would think that it's somewhere else. Or Anyway, you have all these things, abilities. The systems we're putting in would allow us to be able to also detect where the operator is at, which might be a person that's miles away and off post. So all those kind of things you want to be able to do to be able to figure that out and where they're at and what they're using uh, and learn about the drone. But, you know, taking you know, a gazillion pieces over to somebody to re-engineer it is going to be a little bit of a problem. But here, do you have any picture or guesstimate as to the percentage of the cases, like, for example, the Pentagon's UAP programs of their various names and iterations, what percentage of those are drones, possibly known objects, as opposed to things we can't figure out yet? Let me put it to you this way, uh, Gene. They're subject to the same misinterpretations as anybody else's, right? If you have a strange, odd balloon, for example, that's up, at, you know, somehow it gets up to 30,000 feet, you still have to figure it out. And that doesn't mean that it's UFO. Uh, you, you might have some sort of other kind of thing that, that's up in the, the air that, that are misidentified by pilots. And, and, and also you have systems that might have errors or, or kind of like, you know, technology issues with them. And that's what's causing them. So it's hard to tell. You have to report them all. Uh, in the case of the report to Congress, they said that they provided up, I guess, what, 100, and now it's up to 140 some odd cases. Uh, the vast majority of them they could explain. But I will also say that there's probably things that they could explain that if they open up and they start getting all these reports, they're going to get them just no different than it would be if I were reporting them to MUFON. And if you know that, then you know that 70 you know, to 80 percent of those cases are, are IFOs after they're investigated and somebody figures out that it's really not a UFO. And so, you know, bottom line is you, you still need to do the, the legwork and, and really identify what it is. And if you can't explain it, then it's going to be an unknown after you've tested all these different hypotheses that said that it might be an IFO. And the military is going to be subject to that as well. 
But looking at the UFO or the UAP, if we can say this is an unknown, we have no idea what it is, it doesn't fit into any of the categories. It's not a drone, it's not a test aircraft, it's not natural phenomena, it's not something that we know or can identify readily. This is the unknown, the mystery. What's your thought about what that might be? Well, again, uh, let me put it to you this way. An unknown means I can't identify it as anything that known. Well, do I know about everything that our adversaries are building, putting up, classified things that they do? No. So there's going to be a proportion of those cases that are likely to be some other kind of classified or some bizarre kind of thing that we just don't know what the heck it is, right? We can't match it up with anything. It doesn't mean that that even that that unknown is from outer space or where it's from. In fact, we don't even know where the origin of any of these things are, right? So it's not like that there's a license plate on the back of these objects saying I'm from wherever. And, you know, it's not like when they leave at hypersonic speeds that you know where it decided to go land. So consequently, did it land at all? I mean, it, did it go into the water? Did it, uh, is there something on the water? We don't really know. We think that maybe water is a connection point. But then we've seen objects that have just vaporized into nothingness. And then we've seen objects that come and materialize out of nowhere, you know. And so you've got those kind of reports. So that's not an easy answer to say. And so we don't know the origin of any of the UFOs, you know, at all in terms of the, the ones we, we investigate. In now, passing, when you talk about license plates, yeah. I used to have yeah. a car years ago, a Honda, with the license plate number 3MIB. <laughs> Guess what mine is? Lay it on me. It's UFO XPRT, UFO expert. <laughs> yes. So I got that. I get that on mine, and it usually causes a lot of like you know. It's either you Foxpert or somebody that, that does get it will come up and say, "Hey, I saw one of those things," you know, and you'll get a conversation going. This is the second time I had an MIB in the license plate. This was a Honda, <laughs> very reliable car. But yeah. years ago, I had a Pontiac, a red Pontiac, with an MIB license plate. It sure. was the worst car I ever owned within 1,000 miles. The transmission had to be rebuilt because it leaked all the oil out of it. And one day I couldn't get the car to move. But I took another chance on the Honda many years later and it worked out fine. That might be because the Pontiac was not a well-built car. Kurt, you had a question. Well, so the, uh, the concern there about the, all these different organizations in the military, um, I hope that they're sharing information. You know, in the past, uh, different UFO organizations had big rivalries, and, and apparently MUFON still has some of that now. But, you know, how do we, um, you know, is there any way to, to, to make sure that they're not doing, you know, reinventing the wheel and, and just wasting a lot of time with the basics? And how, are they sharing information? So let me go. Let me go and say that they're still organizing. I mean, if you saw the, the congressional hearings, you heard them say that they haven't even got a lot of processes in place. Uh, you know, the the you, the Title Ten and the Title Fifty organizations have to get their act together in terms of having people that will, 
you know, take reports, collect them, somehow get them up in, in some sort of a database, if you would, somewhere in the sky. It'll, it'll probably be, you know, going to NASIC uh, at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Let's have that definition in our next segment with Gene, Kurt, and Rich. You're in the Paracast. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Here's a question for you. Why is it that some people aren't as stressed out about the future as you'd think they'd be? Answer? They're probably among the millions of Americans who have prepared themselves with emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. If the worst ever happens, literally millions of American families are already protected from dealing with empty store shelves. Is yours? If not, go to MyPatriotSupply.com right now and grab some emergency food kits, at least one for each member of your family. These kits give you a wide variety of delicious meals that average over 2,000 calories per day. Everything stays fresh for up to 25 years in storage. Order your kits now by going to MyPatriotSupply.com. Your order will ship fast and arrive discreetly in unmarked boxes. Listen, this is something you need to jump on now, before the next news headline stuns the world. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I started fighting the IRS over 40 years ago when they tried to seize my mother's house. I sued the IRS and won. I beat the IRS then, and I've been beating them ever since. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I've helped thousands of people deal with tax problems they thought might never be solved. I can help you too. If you owe taxes you can't pay, don't wait another day. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. Now with orders to stay at home, public health concerns, the reality of illness due to pathogens and viruses, your health is at an all-time high risk. That's why it's critical to take a proactive approach to boost your immune system. You can with new nano-colloidal silver from AmeriCare. Our patented process with tiny silver particles, one one-hundredth the size of a red blood cell, allows for maximum body absorption. AmeriCare's nano-colloidal silver effectively disinfects your body internally, attacking pathogens and viruses while supercharging your immune system. Colloidal silver is antibacterial and antiviral. Simply put, it prohibits bacterial respiration, suffocating viral cells, preventing the virus from replicating. And now, due to public health concern, AmeriCare is authorized to offer our lowest and best price ever, around a dollar a day. But supplies are limited. Purchase nano-colloidal silver now at ImmuneSupportNow.com. That's ImmuneSupportNow.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Supplies are limited. Has your body ever gone low blood sugar feeling weak, shaky, knowing you better eat something fast? 
We all know high blood sugar can lead to many metabolic problems. At GCNteam.com, we have a healthy blood sugar pack, focusing on the structure and function of stable blood sugar. Find us at GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Nothing feels worse than unstable blood sugar. Call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. Hi, this is Tracy Torme, screenwriter, producer. You're listening to Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Define our terms. What at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base? Well, the organization that used to exist was Foreign Technology Division, and it's the now the uh, it's the new organization after that. It's, it's the National Air and Space Intelligence Center, NASIC, and that is like the 2.0 version of FTD, but it's now including uh, space intelligence and a whole bunch of other things. So anyway, that organization will, if you read about them and what their role is, is going to be largely where a lot of the the data, the information will come in and, and the investigations will, will ensue. And that's going to be the pretty much the lead organization for collecting the information, bringing it in. And then that will go to the ASMOG, I guess that's how you want to say it, that's a uh, the organization that I told you about. Uh, and then they would be uh, the ones that would actually, you know, determine what they're going to do with it and then how they're going to get it up to Congress and, and have their meetings. I'm, I'm glad on one hand that they're going to be they're going to be basically trying to bring this all under one kind of like umbrella, if you would. But there's still going to be a lot of like discontinuity and like NASA's engaging now, you know, and, and got a project. They don't have to report up to that uh, organization. They probably will, but they don't have to. So they got their own study going on. So this is going to create a little bit of stovepipes in terms of some reporting kinds of things. I don't know that you know necessarily that they're going to give you all their tactics and methods because that will be classified. And so sources, tactics, and methods are typically something that they keep classified. So they're not going to talk about that. So ultimately, we could get something on the scale of like, well, we had X number report, kind of like what Blue Book did. Blue Book gave like a periodic quarterly reports or something of that nature that said, well, here's what we got. We got this number of cases going on. Da, 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 da. These are the ones we did. We investigated. Uh, and that's about all you're going to probably get. There's a hope that they'll get more transparent, but I sincerely doubt it. And I think it's because largely because of the uh, the missions that they, that they had, the type of equipment that they used to be able to do whatever they did, that they just don't want to let on to other governments. I've got a sort of a follow-up question to that. So you mentioned Blue Book. Now, some the Air Force had just been set up in 1947, and it was drawn – a lot of the investigators were uh, military pilots. And now they did have uh, – Dr. J. Allen Hynek and some other scientific consultants that they used as needed. But what would you like to see in today's research, Bob? And what consultants should they be drawing on? You know, what skill sets are needed to, to really crack the problem? Well, that's a good one, Kurt, because as you very well know, that, you know, the, the government is uh, basically, you know, got funding a whole bunch of contractors. That, that are very capable scientists and, and, and very much able to do a lot of research on their own. 
So consequently, they don't necessarily have to go outside of uh, the DOD to be able to get scientists to look at that. You got the, uh, you know, Sandia Labs. You got, you know, you got a whole host of other things. And so consequently, you know, you've got uh, a lot of those people. What we'd like to see is them to embrace and share information with universities, colleges, and things like that, much like they're doing right now, by the way, in terms of weapons development. They work with colleges. They do a lot of the research and development uh, with colleges. Uh, and we're hoping that they can look at us as well. And at one point, us and Project uh, Galileo were listed as being on a committee working with the Gillibrand uh, uh, Amendment, but they listed SEU as being one of the organizations that they would work with. And we're hoping that that's going to be maybe something that we can still iron out. And our relationships that we're building now with all these other players, including, you know, the uh, Space Command, we're, we also already are in contact with NASA. We're already in contact with a whole host of our other parties and wanting to be able to help them uh, to get their understanding of UFOs down and let them know that we're, we're as an organization, willing to work with them. When you talk about NASA, NASA is apparently going to establish its own UAP program starting this fall. Yes. And the interest in that was expressed by NASA's head, former U.S. Senator Bill Nelson. And yes. the thing that's interesting here is the first thing they say is, no, there's no evidence that UAPs are spaceships. But NASA, which is involved in space exploration, is investigating UAPs. Is there a contradiction of terms? Well, I think, you know, there, there might be a contradiction if you want to look at it that way. I think that ultimately it's a situation where, I mean, nobody really knows or has the answers to this thing. And so consequently, you have to go dig into it and you have to really look into it and find out, well, what's legit and what's not legit uh, and really do that hard digging. And until you get scientists engaged in it, you're hard pressed to really have anybody that can give you a good, solid opinion on it. And nobody wants to risk their neck by saying, well, they're aliens, you know, you know, not until they have proof. Well, that's the question I would have then. They say there's no proof, but they don't define proof. What constitutes proof? Capturing UFO, capturing ET. What is proof? Sure. Well, I mean, that would be that would be extremely helpful if you had some sort of an object's piece. If you had the, the, the object itself. If you had something that showed clearly that it doesn't have isotopes from anywhere around here, that might be uh, or it's got some sort of like metal that that actually has some properties that you can't begin to build on Earth. That would be helpful uh, in terms of proving something. Uh, but we don't have that. And or and even the materials that we've got collected right now, have got problems with it in a sense that we don't know where uh, the chain of custody is in terms of how it was handled and who got it and where it was actually from. So all this talk about the metamaterials and everything else like that is, you know, on the upside, is, is just really, really a problematic for us. So you have to have controlled ways of doing things. And a lot of, you know, a lot of controlled methods of collecting data and information are not there yet. And they are, they are defined. And so consequently, you've got scientists who are not going to engage and say something like that until they've got rock-solid evidence. Look at how they balked at the idea of water on Mars, right? You know, I mean, or any kind of evidence at all. And they balked on that until they actually had solidifying proof of that. And they're going to do the same thing here with the UIP program, which they've not been funded in the past to do, and really have shown disinterest in, 
except maybe airbrushing something like a photo. <laughs> uh, but I mean, you know, ultimately that's that's the kind of thing you're dealing with with NASA. So they're going to get ramped up. They got two physicists that are going to be getting in, on board, trying to set up a way that they can collect the information and do that. They'll be able to utilize satellites that NASA has that we don't often get to, to work, Earth-observing satellites. And they can do all kinds of things spectrally that we can't. You know? And so it's going to be extremely beneficial to us overall to get that kind of thing nailed down. I would think, however, that based on the criteria for evidence, that's something we may never be able to prove. We can't capture a saucer. And I'll ask about Roswell in our next segment. We don't have any other solid proof of what they are. E.T. is not landing, and if they are landing, we don't have evidence of it. It's anecdotal. So it would almost imply that this is something that, short of some action on their part, if there is an intelligence, we could never prove. Rich, Gene, and Kurt, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. GCN's policy is open forum avoiding censorship. Defense costs for words spoken outside of our control supersede the ability to deliver voices to this important talk platform. The First Amendment is the foundation of our core values. Cancel culture is silencing voices regardless of perspective. Freedom to speak is in the balance. Support the legitimacy of speech itself. Consider donating to SaveGCN.com. That's SaveGCN.com. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. USA Radio News with Kenneth Burns. Children under five can now get vaccinated for COVID-19. The CDC has given final approval for doses for 19 million young children. The endorsement from CDC Director Rochelle Walensky was for two vaccines, one by Moderna, the other by Pfizer and its partner BioNTech. Though deaths in young children are relatively uncommon compared to adults, COVID is a leading cause of death among children and adolescents, according to the CDC. One firefighter has died after being trapped in a building that caught fire, then collapsed in Philadelphia early Saturday morning. Four other firefighters and an inspector with the city's licenses and inspections department were also trapped at the time of the collapse. Everyone was pulled out at various times. The firefighter who died was pronounced at the scene. The others were taken to the hospital. The deceased was a 27-year veteran of the department. This is USA Radio News. A state court decision has reversed a ruling made four years ago in regards to abortion rights. Iowa Supreme Court ruled Friday that abortion rights are not protected by the state's constitution, a move that paves the way for lawmakers to ban future abortions in the Hawkeye State. The court reported, quote, All we hold today is that the Iowa Constitution is not the source of a fundamental right to an abortion, necessitating a strict scrutiny standard of review for regulations affecting that right, end quote. 
From the West Coast, USA, Radio News Bureau, I'm Lance Pry. The jury in a civil trial against actor and comedian Bill Cosby will have to start all over again on Monday. That's due to several unusual circumstances, including a juror being allowed to leave, then the courthouse being cleared at 4.30 because there's no overtime for sheriff's deputies. An alternate will be seated when the panel starts over again. The case centers around an accusation that Cosby sexually assaulted Judy Huth at the Playboy Mansion in 1975 when she was 16 years old. USA Radio News news. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. Hi, this is Joshua P. Warren, author of The Poor Man's Paranormal, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. I know Kurt has a question pending, but before he goes into that, Rich, would you go along with me about that, that when it comes to UAPs, UFOs, flying saucers, Unless there is something that we can pick up or capture, we'll never have evidence. Uh, well, I would say it would certainly help, but there are other ways you can get evidence. For example, we know that there's something potentially out there, and, and scientists will accept that there's uh, that 5% of the visible universe we understand, but there's like 95% of it, which is made up or composed of things that we can't see, which is dark matter, dark energy, and we haven't got any concept about. And there's evidence that it exists, and we kind of accept that, we go along with that, but we still don't have any kind of proof on that. Theoretically, we imply that there, there might be a Higgs boson, and it took us a long time to be able to find it, but we finally found that there was something like that there. So, again, you know, there's a lot of study that goes into saying that you're going to make a claim that it's this or that. And you've got to do all that rock hard science to do that. And so it might take a while, but you might get it in other ways. You might get it from the same point that you've got spectral analysis that you've done. You clearly see some sort of capabilities like the Nimitz thing where it's defying physics, if you would where you drop from 20,000 feet and stop above sea level in 0.78 seconds, and you actually captured that with some sort of a device, and you got that, that's pretty good evidence, which is why the attitudes are suddenly changing with scientists. We had a, a couple of questions from the Paracast Forum. One was from Richard Hawkins, and he wanted to ask about the case that inspired you, the Socorro, New Mexico case from 1964. He says uh, Lonnie Zamora never changed his story over the years, but is it possible this was an experimental government craft and the figures he saw were simply operators and protective coverings? Let me 
put it to you this way, that there's right now with Kenneth Arnold's case alone, there are 14 other, like according to Bruce McAbee, and he wrote a book on it, there are like 14 competing hypotheses trying to explain that case. Everybody comes up with a, you know, a, another kind of like explanation of what it could be. It's almost like trying to reinvent history. And we like to do that. Could it be anything else other than a, a craft from somewhere else? Sure. Maybe it, maybe it was. Is there a compelling evidence that it was like some that we know, know which company had built the craft and set it down there? And do we know that on that particular date that there were these two little dwarf like people that were in it? You know, until we get that kind of evidence for the the competing hypothesis, it's it's pointless. We can speculate all we want, and it's not going to get anywhere scientifically at all. The point is that he saw something he couldn't explain, and that even when some degree of analysis was performed on it, that they left scratching their heads and saying that they could not identify it. Maybe uh, I'm pointing to you and saying that even with the Aguadilla case, Maybe there's an explanation, but we have yet to see anybody make a compelling case with there being an alternate explanation, and it still remains something unknown. And so I think you're going to have this kind of thing where uh, allegedly there were somebody, there was a professor or did something with you know some kids or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. But I will say this much. It, would, it influenced me to the point where I felt that I needed to learn more and study it and it, it, it actually led me into sciences overall as an interest. That's interesting. That, that We've talked to some other people that have also been drawn into science and education to, for understanding. But, but, but yeah, getting back to the witness himself, so, you know, there's this idea of stigma. Now, I think the press always treated Lonnie Zamora with respect, but I understand he was he was met with some local ridicule and jokes, and he didn't take that very well. Yeah, you're absolutely right. In fact, what's notorious throughout UFO history is the fact that, you know, like in 1973, I had a case, for example, with a with a police officer by the name of, of uh, Bob Bales. I think that Rob, Bob Bales. Anyway, Bob was uh, on a case where he's and he was out looking at and actually took a photo it ended up on the front pages of, uh, of the National Enquirer. Bob Pratt put it up there. And it basically, ultimately, the attention wrecked his career. Uh, and then you have Deputy Dale Spar, who also in Ohio went through a case where they were chasing it. And it basically wrecked his career, uh, wrecked his marriage. And it, it impacted, uh, in terms of Lonnie Zamora, he got a lot of Wonderful letters saying how wonderful it was and how exciting and, and so. But at the same time, there's that whole back dialogue with the professional world and the people, the stigma. It was hard on him, and and I hate to see that. Uh, but there's that kind of like thing out there where you don't bring up the subject, you don't acknowledge the fact that you've even seen one. Uh, I've given many many lectures over my lifetime. And I'm always like, you know, asking, you know, how many of you have ever seen one? And you get people that raise their hands occasionally, you know, here and there. And then well, how many of you reported it? And like nobody in the room raises their hand. So it was never reported. And so, you know, back in the days when I was with Heineck and them, they used to talk about one in every 12 cases are reported. Well, I'd say it's more like about one in every 21,000 cases are reported. 
Well, you know, this this case, I don't know if there's any any data to work with, but with the advances in technology, um, are there do you think there are any classic cases that deserve a second look with maybe what, uh, you know, is there something we could use either or? Oh, oh, like you mentioned GPS technology now, so like this, the spatial relationships or anything that we could apply to these classic cases maybe to get more useful information. Yeah, that's another good question, Kurt. I mean, the situation there is you're looking at, you know, a lot, a lot of witnesses are dead. Uh, the, you're talking about, you know, like negative film or something like that from a box brownie camera, or you're looking at something like that, you know, and, and so the problem you have is you can use newer technologies sometimes. Uh, sometimes the newer technologies can't even begin to look and evaluate old kind of like data like that. But, uh, but you have also, you know, things like over a period of time, negatives disintegrate and, and go bad. And, and so you're talking about wanting to dredge up a case and try to see if you can apply newer eyes on it. Uh, and yet you don't have like, you know, the company that might have been there as a, that, that did, for example, created this object that landed in front of Lonnie Zamora has long since ceased, uh, you know, and you're now trying to do a record search to find out, well, what could it have been? And, you know, you, and you're, it's not there. Let me clarify that the cases that I did in MUFON from the time that I joined up until, you know, like I guess when they developed their database are still in paper form and in boxes, and nobody's even been able to see the cases that I did, including me. So there's that evidence in terms of record retention that's a problem. Uh, again, like I pointed out, to witnesses have changed their version over a period of their history. Uh, they have different views now than they did back then. Uh, humans are fallible, uh, and, and you have no way of checking things out. So I don't know that there's a necessarily a a good uh, any value in that, uh, other than the fact that you're better off sticking with where you've got data now that's coming from more advanced equipment that you can actually do something with, and now being able to figure out how these objects maneuver, what they do, whether there's a field around them, whether there's something up that that you can detect uh, about them, and that's what we need to be really focusing the few people that want to do this investigation and focusing their attention on. So we're given the impression that the, the government's investigation and uh, Avi Loeb's uh, Project Galileo are not interested in these historical cases. And I understand why, from a search perspective, the, the data is, is cold. There's, there's probably nothing else to uncover. We've got Kurt and Rich and Gene, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. 
Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on this special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. The IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how did it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. (laughs) I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes... Take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800-503-8625. Extendivite testimonials on Amazon are very informative. Here's one. Rad. Consistent results when used for heart problems. This product has been a godsend for my father, who suffered a heart attack about two years ago. He was prescribed medications for his condition, which was so serious that if he hadn't made it to the hospital in time, he would have died. But he hasn't been able to afford most of the medications. After researching alternatives, he tried Extendivite. While taking Extendivite, he has consistently lower blood pressure and experiences less angina. We are currently on our fifth bottle. I enthusiastically recommend this product, and I am grateful that it is available. To get your Extendivite today, go to Extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Or call us at 1-877-928-8822. Extend your life with Extendivite. I am a non-attorney spokesperson representing a team of lawyers who help people that have been injured or wronged. If you've been involved in a serious car, truck, or motorcycle accident or injured at work, you have rights and you may be entitled to money for your suffering. Don't accept an offer you get from an insurance company until you talk to a lawyer. And we represent some of the best personal injury lawyers you can find. Tough lawyers that will fight to win your case. And they're so good they stake their reputation on it by only getting paid if you win. So if you've been in a serious car, truck, or motorcycle accident or hurt on the job, find out today for free what kind of compensation you may be entitled to. Call the legal helpline right now. 800-509-4492. 800-509-4492. That's 800-509-4492. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. 
So, Kurt, you were in the middle of phrasing a question there. Why don't you go on with it? We've got these new investigations from the government and Avi Loeb's Project Galileo, and they're not interested in historical cases. They only want new instrumentation and examining what technology can detect now. That's okay, but there have been a lot of valuable mistakes made by ufology, and don't they risk repeating those if they don't study the history? Well, I mean, that's kind of like what we we wanted to share with like Project Galileo. We actually reached out to them, and, and there's a number of us that are actually attending the meetings and are part of them. But, I mean, we were looking to be able to share what, you know, a lot of us, like me and a couple others that are in this for a long, long time, with what we've uncovered and what we've done and, and how not to make mistakes. And we we're trying to do the same thing, by the way, with the government people. We'd like to be able to help them to advance a little bit quicker, maybe get to their answers a little bit more by considering those things. I thought, you know, one of those, like, major mistakes, if you would, is that you're having a session with congressional leaders and you're in talking to you know, people with intelligence fields and you're asked a question about, well, what about, you know, Roswell or what about the before Blue Book? And, you know, it was very readily apparent that the two people were either ill-briefed or didn't know about it, but they didn't know the history. And so they couldn't address those kinds of things and say it would answer them with specific. Why wouldn't you be concerned about the fact that these things are hanging over nuclear bases? And why wouldn't you know that? So, yes, we want to be able to make sure that they understand history. And we do want them to not be able to, you know, make the same mistakes and improve on it and advance past their lessons learned kind of thing that they need to have. The issue is getting people willing to work with you. Number one, we're not a defense contractor. We're just an organization composed of a whole bunch of citizens. Many of us do work in the the DOD or something and have clearances. But at the same time, you know, until we can have that conversation, we really can't go into a whole lot of details with them. Uh, you know, or we can talk about the history. Uh, certainly we can give them an executive summary and say, well, read this book or read that book or, or do this and that'll give you a, an update on it. But the problem is that, that people have short attention spans. This is not a national priority. I would say that the economy and, and you know, Ukraine and a whole bunch, the pandemic and everything else trumps a lot of that attention. Uh, and the DOD is fighting wars and battles and, and you know, providing you know, uh, combat weapons and things like that to other countries, and that's where their attention is. So the UAP is on, low on the totem pole, and it's not going to get the traction that a lot of other things that are in place are. You, you know? raise one thing there, which I wanted to just ask you about briefly. You don't have to spend time on it, but it's the subject that just keeps on giving. The R word, Roswell, what's your take on it? I'm of the opinion, basically, just, you know, in my, you know, I didn't investigate it. I'm like everybody else, subject to the fact that I'm trying to read and keep up and try to sort out what's going on. What I do find rather interesting is that, number one, that that allegedly you have an intelligence officer who goes out and says this is material like I've never seen before anywhere. It does things that, you know, it doesn't, you know, it bends, it's light material, it's all this other stuff. And clearly would know what a weather balloon looked like. And it's certainly the material debris across the field was way more than an, an, even a the next alleged explanation for it being 
you know, the a mogul balloon. Uh, and so nothing like that from the Air Force ever matches up with anything being accurate. Uh, at the same time, you know, you're also dealing with, again, witnesses that are trying to remember back how many years from 1980 back to 1947. There are some of them that, that, you know, like, you know, Marcel, who did record what he said he saw. And that's he's a firsthand source. So it's always good to, to go to firsthand sources. Uh, I think that from the way that the events have been described and the fact that there was like follow on collection of material over a period of time. Uh, to me, it's like way beyond it being a crash of something that we would have known about. Like, I don't think it's an experiment gone awry. And the, you wouldn't have had the level of activity that people described. I don't think that they were parachute dummies, you know, and I don't think that it was anything like the Air Force would like us to believe. I think that the fact that they came up with an extremely quick cover story for it was, you know, for them to not alert the other uh, or countries around the world who are already infiltrated, uh, infiltrated uh, our military with, you know, spies and everything else. They would have been all over that. So it was there was a need to be able to shut it up. And Ramey did a good job with that. You don't fly debris from uh, like that, you know, about necessarily go and uh, send it up to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base and take it over to FTD either. Unless it would, you know, you might say that, well, OK, maybe it was from some other country and it was like something that crashed. Yeah, you go over and you take it to them and they would re-engineer it. But everything in terms of the follow up in, in the Wright-Patterson area indicated that it was rather, you know, as a foreign material, it was really strange. You had the June Carter incident. I believe that the story is legit. I don't know where the object in terms of what, you know, happened to it, other than the fact that it was collected, allegedly taking the right path. I do believe that it was there. I don't know about, I mean, the validity of all the different stories about, you know, the, the beings were taken maybe to somewhere else. I don't know. It's always doing that paper chase because somebody's going to say this, you know, and then you find out if you do a lot of paper digging that that's not necessarily the case. You know, do I believe that Corso uh, had all this stuff in a box up at the Pentagon? No. Uh, do I believe that some of the material that was collected could have been passed over to Battelle? Yes, because Battelle had a relationship with Wright Pat. And Battelle, interestingly enough, on the shake memory alloy, the one that is bendable and everything metal would have then taken it up to do other players to also do research. And they're the ones that came up in 1960 with talking about that kind of material. So I, I think that ultimately, you know, it's difficult for us to do that. The, the paper trail It's difficult for us to do the material trail. I do think that there was something legitimately that happened out in Roswell and it was an, an, an event that we just can't explain. And it will probably remain that. But it's also heaped in, in mystery and mythologies and everything else that come out of a lot of these like cases. But if we had captured some kind of unknown technology and brought it back to wherever, Hangar 18, Wright Patterson, doesn't matter where you took it, it'd be something physical that people could look at and say, now we're 75 years later, this is what it is. Well, so, not necessarily. Okay. If, I give, if I give you, uh, let's say I take my car and I crash my car on the highway and I gave you just one little section of the material, whatever that was, and it's hypothetically some sort of advanced craft, do you know what the function of that thing is? Do you know what the material actually did when it was on the craft? 
do you know where it was and what part that it played in the whole thing? And the answer is largely no. You know, I mean, so would we have immediate answers? Would we be able to go out and build a craft that we could do the same thing? No, you'd have to have the whole craft in order to figure that out. And we don't know that, that necessarily the whole craft was there. It was in parts and pieces, right? Uh, one thing about Roswell is, um, and some people have forgotten this, and they need to take another look. So the government's involved in UFOs again. Uh, a lot of people forget that uh, the Air Force got dragged into the business, and uh, we were talking about the Clinton administration earlier. It was in those days, and they gave another look at Roswell. And you mentioned the dummies, uh, uh, the parachute dummies, and that's where that came in. That was part of the explanation. So uh, people had hoped that there would there would be the, you know this huge disclosure about what had happened at Roswell. And there was a huge report, but it was all negative. And I think that's one of the most reviled reports uh, that's that's ever come out of things. So, you know, I, let's let's. Yeah. So let's hope that. Yeah. It, let's yeah. not put all our hopes on the government in, in providing yeah. the answers here. <laughs> exactly. And 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 so isn't it interesting that when Congressman Schiff tried to go and get the records out of Roswell, that they couldn't locate any records at all from that base. And let me tell you, I mean, the military is big about collecting the records and stuff like that and, you know, putting them in the document. The, the records from Roswell, you can't find that base, the one that, that you used the Enola Gay on. You can't, you know, that's just unheard of. So where, I mean, why would they have, like, you know, did they classify these things way beyond what they should have been classified? Are they sitting next to the Ark in some sort of, like, a big warehouse? You know, I mean, you get what I'm saying. It's just, isn't that amazing? Warehouse 13. There it is. We yeah. found the Roswell ship. It's Warehouse 13, it's along with where? the Ark of the Covenant. Rich, yeah. Gene, and Kurt, you're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Hey folks, Tom D for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, ghosts, zombies, UFOs, crop circles, and more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people who seek a little more than the other dating services offer. 
You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com. And if you decide you like it and you want to connect with others, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. So many people want to share their experiences with the paranormal, the afterlife, the unusual, and this is the place to meet and share common interests with those of like minds. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com. That's ParanormalDate.com. Use the code word GEORGE and start meeting others. Get going now and connect with someone you like. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So the question is here, for 75 years, let's say they did capture something totally unknown. It's broken up so badly they can't piece enough of it together to figure out what's going on. But I also liken it to if it was something way advanced, extraterrestrial technology, it's like taking my iPhone back to somebody in 1921 and say, here it is, figure it out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and so, you know, what are they going to do with it? They don't have the anything to do with it. I mean, it, there's no, like, you know, radio signal or any kind of signals that they can use. There's no Wi-Fi. There's no Internet. What are they going to do with this thing that's a brick? What does it do? It doesn't. It doesn't you know, the battery's gone dead. It, it doesn't light up. I don't, I don't know what it does. So, yeah, it, it's very much like that, Gene. It, it's the fact that, you know, you could get parts and pieces to that, and you're trying to figure out, well, what's the purpose and the function of it? And you just have no way of figuring that out. That's the challenge that even that our scientists have at, over at, like, MISIC that does Missile and Space Intelligence Center. And MISIC here has to get, like, things like SCUDs, and a whole bunch of other kinds of like missiles brought over to it, and it tears it apart, tries to figure out why it is what it is, you know. But obviously, you would have, you would, you would have found these materials that allegedly Marcel said that he saw, where you know it crumpled in the hand and it would open up. Well, it, it might, you know, I, I beat this other kind of piece that was lightweight, and I hammered it, and it wouldn't bend, and I couldn't burn it, you know. And you hear those kind of like things. Well, you know, then now you're talking about 1960s, where you have metals that are being now pushed out to research scientists, and you get things like nitinol, which is nickel titanium alloy, and it, NOL on nitinol is Navy Ordnance Lab. It comes out with that kind of like this shape memory alloy, or it might be ferromagnetic shape memory alloy, where it, it'll return to its shape. Now we have among our glasses, you know, our, we put our glasses on, we got that metal that bends and everything else, right? So it's been used and it's been pushed out and it's now available for everybody to use it. And it, who knows? It could have come from Roswell. Or it could have come from scientists that we just don't know and can't trace. But we don't know. You know, it almost brings back the Corso book, Day After Roswell, except that that book, the descriptions were couched in language that was not precise. No, it wasn't. Yeah. Night vision goggles or printed circuit boards or things like that, or even fiber optic cable. Hmm, fiber optic cable. And a lot of these things have origins that predate Roswell. But yeah. it could have, in a sense, been him expressing something that was real, but not giving out the exact facts, just kind of talking around the subject. Right. When you take a look at something like the physics involved with the tic-tac dropping from 20,000 and stopping above sea level, you know, within 0.78 of a second, 
we did the calculations on that. You find out that it has the equivalent of the, the Hoover Dam in terms of its kinetic energy output. You find out that it's mo moving at, at Mach, if it, if it really did that, it was of Mach 50 and above. And oh, by the way, it was, you know, uh, it didn't break any sound barriers. It's not aerodynamically sound. It has no visible means of propulsion on it. It's an odd shape to be moving through the atmosphere and it didn't really heat up. And if we drop something like an F-18 from that height at that speed, I mean, it would disintegrate. It would we'd have nothing but parts and pieces and certainly anything that was on the inside of it would have been a puddle on the bottom of the floor. So how does it maneuver? What does it do? Is it, how does it do these things in our atmosphere and not show those same kinds of effects that we know of that we developed and it can do? And yet, you go back through UFO history and you find out that the objects are doing the same kind of maneuvers back in the 50s. Well, who in the heck had that kind of technology? You know, what part of this planet do you really believe when we're still doing vacuum tubes and things and we didn't have computers that you can do something like that with these objects that were reported back then? So it's clearly a situation where you're dealing with something that's way more advanced than us that is on the planet. But going back to what the military does, they have to figure out, well, how do I discriminate between the drones <laughs> and that kind of technology? And then what do I do if I do see it? And it does those kind of speeds. And I can't shoot at it. I can't get it out of the air. What are you going to do about it? But remember, we have no evidence that UFOs are spaceships. Well, yeah, exactly. And you're going to be hard pressed to be able to get it. Unless Roswell represents that technology. But then again... Will there be a connection, or is that so deeply undercover that they could never say, hey, well, we already have the craft. It's been sitting here for 75 years. Yeah, and take a look at it like this. I've got friends who got very classified stuff, and some of them open up and talk, and they claim that the crashes are legit, that there were actually claims of that thing going on and re-engineering was going. Look at the, uh, the Wilson Davis memo and and you see that kind of talk being discussed. And so consequently, I think that we've got and we've had a long time, either these parts and pieces and we're not letting it on because it's highly classified and they're still trying to probably figure it out, the parts and pieces and what they're going to do with it and how they can utilize it. And it's going to go on like that. And you're not going to get the government to talk about something or the military, especially, to announce the fact that it's got, you know, crap sitting over now in a base or anything like that. You're not going to get them to admit that. So you mentioned the, the Wilson document. Now, so Eric Davis was part of uh, the National Institute of Discovery Science, and he was a contractor for uh, OSAP, which later became known as ATIP. And it's it's come out. Uh, especially through the uh, the book by George Knapp and, and uh, James Lukatsky and Colm Keller, yeah. that yeah. there was a lot of interest in Skinwalker. And so I understand you shy away from Bigfoot and other strangeness, but these same, there's a lot of overlap in interest in this group of people. So um, yeah. what, what do you make of that? And, and, and how, how seriously should we take these stories? That's a good question also, because I think that ultimately we should we should document the evidence and see how the evidence pans out. Uh, I know that uh, Travis Taylor that I talk with has been trying to do that along with other people that he gets and brings in. And they've got that documented in their show where they try to put out equipment. Sometimes the equipment will work. Sometimes it largely doesn't work. 
Uh, there's some sort of like measurable radiation of some sort that they pick up. It's you know actually affected a number of them. So there is something relatively odd about that particular area that is allowing it to to have these multiple kinds of things happening that we can explain. Does it mean that they all have one simple explanation? No, it doesn't. You know, for example, let me clarify to you that if it is some sort of a hypothetical hyperspace portal, that's that's a perfect doorway for them to go through the objects that are coming in and going out that maybe can use to, to do that. Does it does that mean that you you look at the UFO that's reported there as being the same phenomena as the animal mutilation case or the the wolf uh, uh, that was you know, dire wolf that was seen and stuff like that? No. Could it be the fact that there is some sort of a play between you know multiple universes? Uh, is this like a doorway that, into another universe? Again, we don't have the evidence, and the evidence has to be collected through investigations. And in order to make those compelling kind of statements that, you know, this is exactly what it is, we don't know what it is. It's a, an unknown mystery that still has a lot of, like, need for information, data, and study. Do you have a particular take, since you've kind of gone into it, of so-called portal or window areas, parts of the world, where things just happen and things wink in and out of our reality? Well, I mean, it's... We already have cases like, you know, the Alaska case up in the, in the 19, what is it, 1976 timeframe? Like the JAL uh, craft. That, that was like the size of an aircraft carrier that popped up out of nowhere. I mean, it was like, you know, and suddenly it was, it was not even on a radar. And the next thing you know, it's got two radar facilities that are actually tracking it. So, I mean, okay, well, it was not there and then it's there. And then you have other cases where these objects will be seen by a, passengers on board a plane or a pilot or something like that, where it just kind of, it just disappears. We have to disappear for a second. Okay. Or more than a second. With Rich, Gene, and Kircher in the Paracast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream, a dream that turns out to be a nightmare because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. First, we decide where we want to go. Then we need to know the best way to get there. Hi, my name is Adam Barada. I'm the owner of Advantage Gold. We're the highest rated precious metals firm in the country. We teach people how to own physical gold and silver. Now, we've won the Best of TrustLink Award four years in a row because we educate our clients on how to buy gold and silver the right way. 
We don't pay celebrity spokespeople millions of dollars. We'd rather pass that value on to you. Call 800-900-8000 and speak with one of our experts. We'll send you a free gold kit along with my latest number one national best-selling book, The Great Devaluation. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Get the best information, the best process, the best service, the best value. Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000. Call 800-900-8000. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. Tehebo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build red corpuscles in the blood, which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop, and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit shopsupertea.com. The first word is shop, spelled S-H-O-P, then the word super, and then the word tea. The complete website is shopsupertea.com or call us at 818-984-6100 Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-984-6100. Shopsupertea.com. This is how we do every day. We be grinding. And if you want to come and text us. If you love them enough to turn off your music. And pretend like their music is your music. Ah, this is mommy's jam. (laughs) Then surely you'll check NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're in the right car seat. Let's play it again. Check today at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Act Council. Hi, my name is Richard Dolan. You're listening to the Paracast. So we're talking here about the phenomenon of an object winking in and out. And you wonder, are they popping into our reality? Are they moving so fast that now you see it, now you don't? Are they projected images of some sort that are there for our benefit? So there's multiple ways you can look at multiple hypotheses. And the problem we have with this, everybody can dream up another hypothesis, but until you test and you start to eliminate the, the, some of these hypotheses, they're just going to keep expanding and expanding and expanding, and we're never going to get, get any answers. So we need to get to a point where we get in a hypothesis and we actually can work through it and see if we can do something with it and try to eliminate these. The situation you have with the potential idea of a portal or a doorway or something like that, you could say, well, maybe there's something at the Skinwalker Ranch that's allowing, but there seems to be more cases of UFOs around the globe than you see going into the Skinwalker Ranch. Does that mean that there's multiple portals? 
Where are those other mysterious places on the planet? We don't have that. Okay, well, then you have objects that are going in and out of water. And you could argue and say, well, maybe there's a base underneath the water. Okay, and maybe they're using, since three-fourths of the planet is water, and we should be calling it the planet water instead of the planet Earth. You know, maybe that's what they're doing. But then, you know, with the variation of, of objects that you see over the entire history of reporting, you find out, well, they must have one hell of a production facility down there because they can pull out a, many, many different kinds of models. And where are they getting all these kind of strange materials to be able to develop these, like, craft that can do these incredible things? So they're not all coming from maybe the water. We don't see them all popping out of the water all the time. So where do you say that they're Maybe it's multiple hypotheses that are implied. Maybe it is multiple origins. Maybe we are dealing with the time phenomena, and some of those are time machines. Maybe we're dealing with some of them that are actually bases underneath water and using that. Maybe we're dealing with some that's interdimensional, popping in and popping out. We just have no way of knowing, again, until we do the investigations and come up with a way to figure that out. And that raises the bigger question. Can we figure it out unless there's some act on their part to make it possible for us to discover that evidence. That's, of course, absent Roswell, assuming that it, that might yeah. be the evidence. Correct. So we might be at this for a long, long time. But I think that what's going to happen is, as con- technology continues to advance more and more on this, and we're starting to incorporate things like you know, artificial intelligence and quantum computing and a whole host of other kinds of things against these kind of tools and sensors that we've got you know, satellites that we've got above us and, and they're going overhead that could be trained in on. Until we actually collectively pull all that stuff together, we might actually then start to realize we can learn from this phenomena and get closer to getting some sort of an answer about it than not having that happen uh, and where we just drag our feet for the next, what, 60 or 70 or 100 years or whatever. And if you're dealing with a phenomena and it's, you know, that has some sort of characteristics that are a thousand years ahead of us, we may never understand it until about a thousand years out because we just don't have the understanding of that kind of capability. I wanted to ask you, the, the SCU was formed around a UFO report, and now the, the organization's better known. Are you getting reports now? Are people seeking you out? Yeah, like, I don't know if you, you're probably not aware of it, but there's a rubber duck. They call it the rubber duck incident because the object looked like a rubber duck. And if this was a case with the uh, Homeland Security, again, another, in this case, it was not a, a turboprop aircraft. It was a, a reconnaissance aircraft. And it was down near the, the Arizona-Mexico border, if you would. It got thermal images of an object for about 40 minutes that, that was kind of rather odd. So we've, we've done an analysis of that video and we've been looking at that and we're right now in the process of uh, finalizing our peer review and we'll be publishing that probably in the next maybe, maybe month, I guess, from now on. We're also doing a nuclear intention study where we, we are looking, by the way, uh, and Kurt, you'll be interested, we are looking at old cases as well. I mean, we've gone into databases. We're trying to find out where the objects were around nuclear production sites, storage sites, uh, detonation sites, uh, nuclear whatever, you know. And so we're, we uh, are looking at those cases to see if we can deduce if anything about their intention good example would be that if you see peaks at a specific month at a specific facility, 
Can you then deduce that there might have been something going on at that facility that they would have been interested in and that would have brought them there? So we're trying to see if we could do that. We have a whole team of people doing that. We're also doing a study right now on also the electromagnetic effects uh, as well as the, uh, the atmospheric effects that you see with UFOs. Uh, we're also doing a USO study to see if we can characterize where the prevalence of the objects are uh, that are seen in water. We're also doing uh, a study on sound in the, in the context of these things are being reported as being silent. But there are a few cases out there where people hear humming noises or electric noises, and we're looking at that. And maybe it's a situation that it's the noise or the sound could be at above hearing levels or below hearing levels. And so can you look at, at that part of that and find out that there actually is some sort of a noise when these things go away? And then what tools would you use to collect that and study that? And I've seen it. Is the average person uh, able to uh, access your SCU newsletter? Yeah, we publish it up on our, we have a Facebook page, we've got a Twitter page, we got uh, you know LinkedIn page, we've got all the social media covered. We also put it up on our website, explorescu.org. And uh, this, um, this rubber duck video, can you tell me, um, it, it, did you use your existing members? I mean, do you are you reaching out to new people and disciplines? How, how are you processing something like that? Yeah, well, now that we've got more members to choose from than just the original five of us, uh, in fact, two of them are actually in the emeritus stage and they're kind of like they've got, you know, in the background and not doing as much for us. Uh, but we have like many members that are actually, you know, video analysts and various other kinds of things that are actually looking at these cases. So we have a whole team of people that looked at the rubber duck video. Uh, and so that's kind of like where we were, uh, uh, where we're going now. We have all these different teams of different, different people with different disciplines coming together to have a, having a look at this stuff. All right. And so the, as far as the, the mission of the group, are, are you are you recruiting? Yeah, well, we are recruiting by all means. Uh, we we'd certainly like more scientists to be able to get engaged. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about just scientists, but I mean serious researchers. Uh, we have various levels of membership. You could, anybody could be a part of us in terms of being a what we call a community access member. Uh, we typically just you know basically you know let you in and, and we have conversations and things like that. But we have what we call contributing members, where they're more contributing to the study and doing the analysis and doing these kinds of studies. Let's break here and talk more about the makeup of SCU on the other side with Gene and Kurt and Richard in the Paracast. listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. 
And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. USA Radio News with Kenneth Burns. Firefighters in Philadelphia mourning the loss of one of their own. Deputy Fire Commissioner Craig Murphy says the fallen firefighter is 51-year-old Sylvester Williamson, a 27-year veteran of the department. This was just a, 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 a catastrophic accident that um, that, that, that really uh, that really hurt our department, and I, I know I, I know this member well, and um, hurt the fire service as a whole. The blaze broke out early Saturday morning at a three-story building that housed a pizza shop and apartments. The building collapsed shortly after the fire was put out. Four firefighters in total and an inspector with the city's Department of Licenses and Inspections were trapped at the time of the collapse. One firefighter remains hospitalized. Williamson was pronounced dead at the scene. He leaves behind a mother and his son. This is USA Radio News. The Supreme Court in Iowa ruled Friday that abortion is not a guaranteed right under that state's constitution, reversing a ruling the court made just four years ago. The decision stemmed from a lawsuit filed by abortion providers who challenged a 2020 law requiring a 24-hour waiting period before a woman could get an abortion. The court ruling comes as there is speculation that the U.S. Supreme Court will overturn the Roe v. Wade decision as soon as this coming week. The youngest among us could get their COVID-19 vaccines as soon as next week. The CDC gave their approval for the Moderna and Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine for children as young as six months old. That makes at least 18 million children eligible for the inoculations. The CDC approval on Saturday followed the sign-off from the FDA that occurred on Friday. Wall Street ended Friday with its worst week since the COVID crash in 2020. You're listening to USA Radio News. Americans have the most colorful language in the world, and that vibrant language is our basis for thinking in big ways, new ways, efficient ways, and better ways. Americans have freedom of speech. The pairing of our colorful language and freedom of speech has made us the people and the nation that we are today. Imagine what it would be like not having the freedom to speak our minds, communicate our thoughts and ideas, and hear those from others. Americans have a passion for and yearn for the truth. There are those who want to destroy our freedom and right to hear the truth. The truth is under attack. GCN is under attack. I'm asking our fellow broadcasters and you to rise up and help us defend our right to free speech. Would you like to join us? Please consider visiting SaveGCN.com. Please help us bring you the truth 24 hours per day. I'm Vincent Finelli. Hi, this is James Fox. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Okay, Rich, you were describing the makeup of the SCU. Yeah. 
Yeah, we have uh, basically community access members or people who are interested in what we're doing and want to be part of the coalition and supporting us, you know, uh, to do what we're doing. You know, they they share the same desire for scientific study. They share the same interest uh, as we do. And so, you know, they can do that. And then we also have uh, a situation where you have people that want to do more serious research. And these are the ones that are typically like with more like your advanced degrees and we're working them into projects. So we have various projects that we've got assigned and we're looking into. And then we're, you know, again, putting in the peer review process. Some people are helping out in the peer reviews. Some people are helping out and doing a lot of different other kinds of things for us. Uh, we just had the conference. I had a lot of people that were helping me out with the conference, trying to keep the public informed, uh, letting them know what we've got going on there, as well as getting other scientists. That's pretty much what uh, what we're doing. And so if you want to be just a member and listen to conversations and, and, and interact on maybe like a Facebook site, you can do that, but you can get more serious. Hopefully that helps, Kurt. Does that answer your question? Yeah, that's well, there's a lot of things happening now. So tell us a little bit more about the conference. You told us some of so you, had, you had some government uh, people attend. So understand you had a, uh, a witness as your key, keynote speaker. So so what, what information did he share and who who was this? Well, we actually had uh, our keynote speaker was uh, the former Lieutenant uh, uh, Ryan Graves. And Ryan was the squadron commander of the if you if you saw the videos there were like these videos released there was one that was called the the nimitz or the the the, the nimitz case was the FLIR one and you also heard the another one referred to as being the go fast and another one being the gimbal two of those the gimbal and the go fast were uh, part of the 2014 to 2015 time period where these pilots were off the east coast uh, of the United States, and they were doing exercises along in, in there. And when they do these military exercises, a lot of the pilots were saying that they were reporting with their new equipment that they've got aboard their aircraft. And it's more advanced than the uh, that they had the Atflir back in uh, the 20, 2004 time period. They've advanced, and every time they do these exercises, they have these things. Well, suddenly they start seeing more of these things because of the technology change that they've got uh, on board their systems. So consequently, that's what leads them to seeing it, which then says, well, let's go after it and see what we can find out. So a lot of the pilots were actually doing that, and almost every day along the, the eastern seaboard, they saw these objects for almost two, two years. And that's disconcerting. It's like they would go back and say, well, what are we going to do with this? You know, and they eventually got to the point where they could report it to like, you know, the ATIP organization, and then they were able to do something with it. But ultimately, they, they did capture some of that video evidence and pass it up. There is now some recent photographs you saw in the congressional hearing where they, they showed uh, even a video clip, and then they had still frame of it, but something that looked like a, uh, a circular sphere with a cube on the inside of it. And they would see multiple of these objects that would be hanging around 36,000 feet altitude. And they'd be like, well, what the heck is this? You know, what, what is it up there? And it's like hanging still in the air and then maybe it, it moves and takes off. And then if you listen to them with the, the, uh, the gimbal thing, you heard him say like the, the one pilot says, well, there's a whole fleet of them, you know? I, you know, there's almost 30 of these things on the ASA. 
that just because they focused on the one gimbal object, that was not the full number of these things that were moving through the sky. So they, they, they saw quite a few of these things. And again, not knowing where they're coming from, what they are, whose they are, and why they're performing these strange kinds of maneuvers in the skies are under, misunderstood. So Ryan was able to tell us about that whole event. Ryan is also now with the uh, AIAA, which is the uh, Aeronautic American Aeronautics and Astronautics uh, Association, I guess, if you would, that basically is now engaged in studying this. And they've got what they call a community of interest for UAPs. And Ryan is now in charge of that uh, and chair of that committee or that group. And we're connected into that. We presented, uh, had members present uh, at their meeting recently. So we're actually now engaging the AIAA, which is really exciting. And uh, we're, we're thrilled about that. And he spoke on that. We, uh, we also had Dr. Hakan Kayal from Germany. Uh, University of Würzburg, Germany, and he talked about the fact that his, you know, university over in Würzburg has dedicated money and money and time and, and invested in the study of UAPs. So that's encouraging from a college standpoint. Uh, we had also Dr. Alexander Went, who got on in you know, Ohio University, Ohio State University, and he talked about where in his college career what he's talking about and doing. Uh, with his study, but he also got into uh, a kind of a different perspective on whether or not science should be investigating UFOs, which is kind of interesting. We had uh, a different perspective in the context. We had uh, panels. We had a national security panel, and when we talked about national security and science, that was intriguing. We had Gary Nolan uh, and others, Josh Pearson, myself, and uh, we were all talking about the national security implications of that. We had a panel talking about our SU projects. We had a panel talking about academia and how do we deal with getting more of this into college space. We had John Alexander was there talking about his history of the subject. Dr. Ted Peters was there talking about the religious aspects of this phenomena uh, in terms of how do we go forward with that. With that. There were a whole host of others that I could go on about, and it was just a great, fabulous con conference. And it was, uh, you know, nothing but kudos and a high esteemed, you know, level of satisfaction, I guess, if you would, and respect for what we did. Are videos available of this conference? We have them right now for the next three months available to people who signed up. And then by the end of the year, we're going to be putting them on YouTube, our YouTube channel. So everybody will have access to them probably about the December time frame. And this is something you have to pay for or what? No, not on YouTube. You know, the, obviously the people who paid for the conference and stuff like that are getting to see them until September. Uh, and they can watch them as many times as they want. We also had the UAPX team talk about what their, their evidence was from the tear in the sky and what their, uh, and shared some of the, the videos and photos of that as well. This sounds like uh, so different from the typical uh, UFO conference where it's abductions and crystal energy and implants. You know, this is real serious material that, that interests scientists. And, and I guess that's why the, the military people were, were drawn you know, to see the, this approach, because you're really looking at things that can be measured and analyzed. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's an approach that's... Uh, you know, it's scientific, part of your name. So, you know, yeah. job well done there. Thank you. I mean, you know, and 
we're pleased by the fact that we can get all the, I mean, the most of these people were PhDs, right? I mean, it was just, you know, all, almost all of them. And that's the way it was even in our past conferences and stuff that we've had, we're largely PhDs and we're trying to get them to open up and feel comfortable about talking and trying to get them, you know, have them some safe space. And that's what we achieved. These presentations you hear are absolutely incredible. I mean, just they're, they're a whole different other level than, than what you're talking about, like you're, you know, at the, the various UFO cons or other kinds of events. You're talking about, you know, scientists that are getting out and talking about the fact that they've identified down to the quantum level this or that. <laughs> it's pretty remarkable, uh, you know, Kurt. It's just really uh, a whole. Uh, I wish Heineck could have been here to hear this. You know, that's that's where I went. He would be proud of us. In our uh, after the Paracast show, I hope uh, one of the things we might want to do is, is talk about. I think that would be, you know, the, the good and the bad. That might be a good thing to explore there. And what this means, of course, is that Rich Hoffman will be back on After the Paracast, which is available strictly for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. For more information on how to sign up, check theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. We're but, going to have you know, that coming up shortly, but right now we have one more segment left with Gene Rich and Kurt in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hey listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about after the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. No matter if supply lines are down, product deliveries are slow, and that most everything costs more these days, you still have neck and shoulder pain, right? Good news. Sunny Bay has new products that target neck and shoulder pain. Products that are in stock now, ready to ship anywhere now. Like our extra-long neck heating pads. They provide soothing relief to painful, sore necks and backs. You can heat them in a microwave oven, and they come in a variety of colors and patterns. And for stress relief, get our lavender-scented hands-free neck wraps or maybe you need one of our smaller lower back wraps great for seniors again there's no shipping delays from sunny bay find our new products on amazon walmart etsy and sunny-bay.com just search for sunny bay neck wraps all our products are great for men or women are reusable and easy to clean remember just search for sunny bay neck wraps order now because stock is high and shipping is fast from sunny bay 
Now with orders to stay at home, public health concerns, the reality of illness due to pathogens and viruses, your health is at an all-time high risk. That's why it's critical to take a proactive approach to boost your immune system. You can with new nano-colloidal silver from AmeriCare. Our patented process with tiny silver particles, one one-hundredth the size of a red blood cell, allows for maximum body absorption. AmeriCare's nano-colloidal silver effectively disinfects your body internally, attacking pathogens and viruses while supercharging your immune system. Colloidal silver is antibacterial and antiviral. Simply put, it prohibits bacterial respiration, suffocating viral cells, preventing the virus from replicating. And now, due to public health concern, AmeriCare is authorized to offer our lowest and best price ever, around a dollar a day, but supplies are limited. Purchase nano-colloidal silver now at immunesupportnow.com. That's immunesupportnow.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Supplies are limited. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. And the IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how did it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes... Take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800 503 author of UFOs and Nukes, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We continue here with Rich Hoffman and Gene Steinberg and Kurt Collins, our special guest co-host. Fast question, Rich, we haven't mentioned the A word yet. We mentioned the R word, Roswell. The A word, abduction. Do you have any take on it? It's not part of what SCU looks at. Let me clarify that. We're not composed of medical doctors, psychologists, and a whole bunch of other people that you would need to be able to deal with in terms of understanding what happens in that. There are other organizations like Free and some other organizations that are looking into that. You know, back when you asked me before, like when I got started in this whole thing, it's like suddenly there was Bigfoot ghosts and everything else, right? No way that I'm going to be a master of everything, you know, and so there's going to be other people who have expertise in different fields. We encourage the fact that alien abductions and that kind of an event be looked at scientifically and try to figure out how you can make it a very disciplined approach according to scientific methods and the way your methodologies and the discipline you'd expect it to be. And we would hope that they could do that. And that hasn't you know, it's sad. I thought that John Mack was trying to get there and things might have been able to be improved. But until you get through all that hurdles and can figure out that, you know, and how do you discriminate between somebody who's got a real disease on their arm and maybe a lump versus what they're claiming to be an implant? When I was the, uh, the director of investigations for all Alabama and Mississippi, 
I would get people coming at me all the time with these kind of cases, you know? And again, I just saw through telling you that my, my research is into the UFOs. And I'd be going like, well, I mean, I know other people that could probably help you out, but that big, huge golf ball-sized bump on your arm that you're claiming is probably an implant doesn't match with the implants where you can't hardly see them at all and they're not detectable that everybody's claiming is existing and you know you ask them and say well did you get that medically looked at and they're saying well no well you might want to do that it might be something really serious right and then there's the whole part of the problem with that is that you know it's not like you're sitting on a bundle of funds to pay the doctor to have them go look at this bump on their arm or go to a psychologist to be able to evaluate whether you actually are schizophrenic or not, or whether you're you know, something else. And so that's a huge hurdle for any kind of study that has yet to be like manifest to make it a very disciplined approach. You know, I appreciate people have had these experiences and claim that they did. It's just not something that typically the mainstream scientists can go after because again, it's largely anecdotal unless that there's some sort of an evidence that helps to support the discovery of what that is. I sometimes think that the abduction experience is masking some kind of traumatic experience the experiencer or the witness has had, but they're bringing it to us in terms of UFOs because they can't face what really happened. That's probably one hypothesis. I can give you another one. My wife went to a, cor- a course led by a guy who was doing a thing called holotropic breathing. And if you do holotropic breathing, which is a deep breath exercise, you can actually go into an induced state where you can have an experience like the abduction case. You also have you know, these waking dreams that people can have. You know, there are some people that I think that are tend to be more, if you want to throw out a, a word psychic or something like that, they have an intuitive or a cognition of capability that's beyond others. I look at kids who are like autistic, you know, who can be extreme brains and can tell you things like, you know, just like this is what the temperature was on the 21st of March in 1943. <laughs> you know, that, that, that's a holistic different way that I think there are people who have hearing better than me. There are hearing that, that probably have visual capabilities that are beyond me and some other. And so that those are unique kind of capabilities that, that I can't account for that need to be studied and evaluated. We're just not set up to do that. We don't have countless doctors and psychologists and physiologists and that whole thing to be able to deal with that phenomenon, right? Again, you know, there's people who had those experiences. I, I encourage them to go talk to others. There are support groups and have them figure it out. I certainly don't recommend them to get regressive hypnosis because that can also be a traumatic thing that can induce them into more trauma. And whether it's legit or not, it's, there's nothing there to, to substantiate that either. What do you do? How do you study the phenomenon? Well, I think, you know, something that Gene mentioned he, about the trauma, whether the uh, experience is We'll have to say the word real or not. There is mental health issues that can arise from that, and it's kind of a touchy issue. But I really think that these people that feel like they've had that experience should get some help, whether it was really something or not. They probably need that support. It's kind of touchy, but I think they should see a professional. Well, I do, too. If you saw the photos I saw of, like, that, the size of that bump that that guy had on the arm, you'd be saying, like, well, why haven't you got to a doctor? Don't make that claim that it's alien abduction. Go go to the doctor and find out. You could have something seriously wrong with you. 
Why are you coming to a ufologist to tell me? I mean, you know, you don't do that. You go to a medical person, right? There are issues like that that have to be resolved. You know, one of the things that bothers me about abductions, several of the things, is that if real aliens, advanced beings from another world and another star system, come to Earth with their advanced technology, and then they examine people using primitive tools, they fit them with implants that anyone can detect. And you think if somebody from the 24th century, Alpha Centauri or something, came here and wanted to put some kind of RFID chip or something in you, you would not be able to see what it is. It would be impossible. If they wanted to subject you to a physical examination, they could do it in a way you would never notice it. I agree. In some cases, a lot of people don't notice it, you know, and they go on with their lives and then they find out from the first time that they go and get an x-ray done that there's something weird in that part of their body that they can't figure out what it is, you know, and then they say, well, I think I need to find out what it is. Let me go to a doctor and see if I can take it out and figure out what it is. And then they pull it out and they say, well, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense or whatever like that. So I, I think it's a situation where a lot of people don't know what they have in their body. I don't know that it's a tracker. I don't know what it is. I don't know what its purpose is, if it is being implanted in them. But yet there are reports of people having those in their body. And why are we having all these people that are claiming that they have these abductions? Let me also back up. There are cases out there where there's substantial evidence in in the form of other kinds of things. Like, for example, you know, you might see the ground that's been baked uh, or something like that or in a circular pattern. Or there might be some effect on their car because they were in their car when it, it happened, you know, and they see a strange electromagnetic effect associated with a car. So there are some cases where there's actually something more like physical evidence or something like that that could be looked at. And certainly we ought to be looking at that to help substantiate and help us to understand whether there is a legitimate phenomena. And going back to what I said before, that there are IFOs and many of those IFOs, and then there are some that we can't explain that are completely unknown. Well, the same thing could be true here, where you could have some of these cases where legitimate, there there are something strange going on there, and we should study the hell out of those things. We'll continue with some of this discussion after the Paracast, our premium show with Rich. Rich Hoffman, tell our listeners where we can find more of your stuff. Uh, the best place to go is, you know, into our social media forums. Uh, but you know, our website is the explorescu.org. And there's a contact page on there if you want to get a hold of me or if you want to get a hold of anybody on the team. Or if you're looking to become a member of, uh, you know, SCU, you can contact us at the uh, contact page on our website. We'll be happy to address those concerns or those issues or those questions or whatever about us. You can find us on Twitter if you look for the Paracast. Look for the Paracast shop. What's the Paracast shop? The Paracast.shop is a place where we have branded merchandise with the T-shirts and the throw pillows and the caps and all that good stuff. We also offer the Paracast Plus at the Paracast.plus. You get this show free of the network ads and the After the Paracast podcast where its discussions continue. Discussions take different directions exclusive to Paracast Plus members. And get this, if you use the coupon code UFO20, UFO20, you get a 20% discount on five-year or lifetime memberships. Check out for quick sign-up 
the Paracast.plus. Rich will be back on After the Paracast right now. Rich Hoffman, thank you for joining us on the Paracast. Thank you. It's good nice to be with you. Featuring Gene Steinberg is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in the Paracast. <laughs>